the the world needs more badass, strong women. Damn fucking right it does. Hi guys, and welcome to the Platts, Beans and PVs podcast. I am your host, Sophie Scott. Oh, Sophie Jane Scott's what we said last time, isn't it? Sorry. Sophie oh, Jane Scott. Oh, I get Scott. it, right? Sorry. <laughs> and I am Robert Beanie. I don't know why I need my full name. I'm just going to say Rob. I'm, hey, I'm Rob. How's it going? So, what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, today, we are going to talk about the scale weight, the numbers on the scales, and why it doesn't matter. Yes, and we will also be discussing some of the other methods that you can use in order to measure body co- uh, composition and why even the, uh, I guess, more expensive ones, the more high-tech ones, aren't entirely accurate. But, um, so how did this episode come about? This one's a really, really interesting one. So this came off the back of a single question a lot like to be honest like every other fucking conversation i have with people it turns into a tangent but the back of a single question so we were driving down to a competition in rotherham and one of my clients said to me oh what do you think of those scales that measure body composition that i've got all those numbers on them and the entire drive down which may i add is over 90 minutes long became this entire basically this podcast wrote itself during the conversation in the car and it was all to do with this one question and it spun off into into such a deep conversation regarding uh methods that i used during my degree what i would ban if i had the opportunity to and as with everything i do it just turned into a massive massive rant about things that i would do differently and so when we discussed which topic we'd like to cover i was like i've got a really really good one and it was my client it was my client Ed. Uh, Ed, I'm going to thank you now. Um, she, go on, Ed. She, yeah, go Ed. Woo. She she mentioned it in a text message and was like, "You said this in the car. You need to turn this into an episode." Um, so when we were thinking about what it was we were going to do for a second one, this one is so fresh and very very relevant. So we decided that this would be a really really good shout. And yeah, yeah. And this is one that I think tends to come up quite a lot when I speak to people um, because we have, we are sort of, uh, I guess, born into this notion that the scale weight is such an important number. And I think it's easy to feel like our success or failure is, is defined by this singular number. Um, and yet it is so inaccurate um, in terms of measuring where you're at, but also, you know, your worth as a human being. Um, it's not that the people get very emotionally wrapped up in it, um, which is amazing. But um, yeah, we're hopefully here to shine some light on why this number shouldn't hold so much weight pun intended 
Dun-dun. Oh, he's good, isn't he? He's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I really do try. I like that one. So, shall we start? Let's let's start with the the simplest. Um, and let's yeah, let's let's go with the scale weight. Uh, so why why would you say that? Well, put it simply, the the scale weight is is something that we should probably stop getting so hung up on. So this is a, a really interesting one. And, and just before we press record on this as well, Rob made a really, really good point. Lots of people say like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 75 kilos or oh, I'm this weight. Yeah, but you're not the way you. It fluctuates daily. You, you know, you're going to fluctuate between the base. Okay, so people have got a natural set point and things, but you, you know, it changes so often. It's a really, really silly thing to say. So to turn around and say, oh, I'm 75 kilos, that's great. That means jack shit. You yeah, know, I, like... I, just to, just to chime in there because I think the language that people use is very telling. Um, this idea of I am yeah. seventy five kilograms, like this is me. I'm seventy five kilograms, and I've had people that I speak to. I'm like, oh, how how much do you weigh currently? Just you know because. I, I'm working with them or I just want to know just again as one of those tools to use and they're like oh I'm I'm, I'm 55 kilograms and I, I never I never change and I'm a bit like yeah but you definitely do yeah and that's really interesting because you clearly see yourself as a 55 kilogram person um, or x kilogram person um, whereas as Sophie said and we will get into this a little bit more weight fluctuates it it fluctuates depending on um well god so many things i mean not only caloric intake but into but how much food volume you have in your stomach so for example if you um have a really heavy meal the night before and you fill up on loads of vegetables and you're like absolutely stuffed and you've eaten a lot of vegetables in terms of uh how much they actually weigh and then you weigh yourself in the morning you might just so happen to weigh more that morning whereas if you didn't really eat anything the night before you might be a bit lighter but that's only down to the amount of food that you've eaten that isn't um that isn't qualitative in terms of how much body fat you might have on your body so um what are what are other things that can make body weight specifically fluctuate maybe from day to day or even hour to hour I mean, there's genuinely a whole host of things. So if we went into like uh, simpler, like really, really basic fluctuations, you could like, think you said food volume, water intake, uh, meal timing. Uh, sodium is a really, really good one that a lot of people tend to forget about. So if you were to consume a slightly higher sodium meal or maybe a, a day of foods worth of a day a day's worth of food with higher sodium you're going to see a greater amount of water retention. So the following day, again, you'll be a bit heavier. Uh, inflammation's a really, really good one. Believe it or not, if you've had maybe a bit more of a stressful week, you might actually have a lot more water retention and you're a lot more inflamed and your weight jumps up. If you get a poor night's sleep, your weight can jump up. There's genuinely a whole host of things that can can change. Again, that one number on the scale, but what a scale doesn't show you is for example side by side transformation pictures it doesn't necessarily mm. show you a decline in body fat or an increase in muscle mass or half a centimeter gone on your legs or 
how much happier you are as a person because you are really content in the way that you look and the way that you feel right now but it's a number on the scales that people attach themselves to and view as negative often if it increases and positive if it decreases yeah definitely i think um one one main you know one key example of this is when people maybe go on what they feel is a bit of a, a bender at the weekend uh you know maybe have a bit more bit more ice cream than usual or uh you know just they, they have a meal out and then they weigh themselves after the weekend and oh my god they suddenly weigh five pounds heavier and they panic and they think that that five pounds is good is like pure fat yeah um it's just impossible to gain i, I mean i i'm I sure it's possible <laughs> challenge me. but for for mo for like even trying it's really hard to put on that much fat in it that is, short space is. of time let's if we can put this if you're a numbers person um so typically the kind of go-to target for a pound of body fat to be stored is an excess of what 3500 calories I say 3500 to 3900 yeah so let's let's take that three five let's say in order to gain one pound of body fat in one day you have to not only have eaten at maintenance for the rest of the week but then you have to eat an extra 3500 calories to, to for that to be pure fat to put on your body that's a lot of food it is now if you food. take if you times that by five that's a lot of calories so what's can you do 3500 yes Oh, she's correct as well. Did I get it right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Seventeen thousand five hundred calories. I'm I'm that, sorry. You know? I I like food. my food, and I know a lot of people that like their food. But to to eat seventeen thousand five hundred calories over your <sighs> weekly maintenance, in order for that five pounds to be pure fat, is just not not doable. Like like for mere mortals. <laughs> it's not Ask possible me after so, a show yeah i mean we'll give it a try at some point but uh nah, yeah just sense. just in case that helps anyone out there you know because sometimes people can really grasp hold of these things if it's put uh well in in numbered form as opposed yeah. to you know pounds of body fat or whatever um so that hopefully gives you an idea of how difficult it is to actually gain even just a pound of body fat in, in one day, let alone a week. Um, so you you touched on, um, obviously we're talking about scales and now the the bigger thing, I mean, they've been, out, they've been out for a while, but more so now are these scales where they are supposed to be able to show you your body fat measurements, your bone yeah. density, your muscle mass, um, amongst a whole host of other things. What are your thoughts and feelings on these, Sophie? Dare I ask? <laughs> You've opened a can of worms. I mean, we're, we're seeing them pop up more and more often than not now. I mean, a lot of... Um, I don't like the term influencer, but I'm going to use it anyways. The more and more influencers and YouTubers and people who are, you know, clued up in the industry and stuff, and, and by no means is influencer a negative thing, 
um, a lot of a lot of people within uh, this kind of a lot of people within this kind of um, industry have like affiliate codes to sell these scales and things now and I could tell you that 90% of them likely don't understand how to interpret them but it's not just that as well they're now available in a lot of supermarkets and stuff so you will actually see your typical kind of you know like digital scales um, weighing scales things like that and next to them for an extra 20 quid or an extra 30 quid and what you would normally pay is this body composition scale that they that they, they market it as and there's yeah. hundreds of them like if you literally just googled body composition scale i mean they genuinely do range anywhere from like 20 quid which is a very very bog standard it'll flash up on the screen type thing but if you were to use a, a decent set so so the, the technology that's used in these scales is something called bioelectrical impedance. Um, and it's it's often branded as something called Tinita, which is T-E-N-I-T-A. And the the look of the scales, they've usually got two little metal plates on the scales that, that your feet put yeah. on. And that's usually the ones that work. Now, the, the cheaper variants, I mean, there's still some expensive ones, to be fair, that have just got the, the, the metal foot plates on them. And you sure. pay upwards of £100 sometimes. So these ones are the ones that I've got more of an issue with, I would say. So these ones um, have quite a, a an unrealistic view of, of how they measure full body composition because what they actually do is, so bioelectrical impedance, to give a little bit of a snapshot, what it does is it passes a very small current through the body and it gets inhibited at certain points through different densities, so by muscle mass, by water mass, by fat mass. And right, gotcha just to clear that up for anybody that wasn't aware of how it worked and the scales that have just got the metal foot plates and don't have anything else only pass the current through the lower half of the body. So it doesn't, Uh... it doesn't even come up towards like the chest, the shoulders, the arms. It doesn't do that. It it goes up through the lower half and then does a a snapshot of the entire body based on the, the current that's been passed through the lower half now, I know I speak for a lot of women because it is just anatomy and it's just the way that it, that women are, are built, but women tend to store the vast majority of their body fat in their lower half. So when you get right. women step on these scales, I mean, guys too sometimes store a lot of body fat in the lower half as well. When they step on these scales... You are talking to someone has a lot of, who has a lot of junk in his trunk. Junk so. in the trunk. So, yeah, <laughs> so if you were to step on the scales, you would likely get... Well, I say likely, you would get a higher body fat reading than if you used a set of scales that offered um, the, hand, the handles as well. Now, uh, the, okay, you, so does that make sense? really, yeah, so people can be doing themselves even more of a disservice because they don't yeah. know this. Um, like you say, females especially, they step on these things and they see this output that not only is, is probably wildly inaccurate anyway, but it, it bumps it up even more because it's only doing the lower half where they naturally store maybe more body fat. Yeah. And then they shit themselves and they're like, oh my God, what are you, this, yeah. what? And that's... To me, that's so bad. That's it's, so it's so detrimental. Fucking demoralizing. Yeah. So as an example, so that right, so I use these scales 
um, within my research, but we use, I, we call them the clinical standard, but they're kind of like research grade stand, kind of standard. Um, and the set of scales that we have, and these are quite old scales as well, but they've been used a lot and they are like the OG of Tanita scales. Ours was £7,800. Holy fuck. Yeah, £7,800. <laughs> and they have, what they do is you, you lift the handles off. You've got to be very careful with how you grasp them because if you grasp them too tight, that can actually skew the reading and the way in which the current passes through the upper body. Right. The ones at the gyms sort of say that they, they you've got to hold them like firm, but not too firm yeah. and not really loose it, because it, you'll get an accurate reading. Yeah. It genuinely does affect it. Like it honestly, it's, it's, it's a little study I did during um, my undergraduate as well. And I did a little experiment with it. Um, I, I taught some undergraduate students how to do it and we got them to really squeeze the handles and the bone density was coming up. It's absolutely like wildly different to what they had previously, but that's very much another matter. Um, but that just shows how sensitive they are. Yeah, sure. And, and, and these scales, they give you a little printout. They give you a little reading um, of where you have the body fat and, and all this kind of stuff. And I got one of my clients to use the, the scales in the gym, which only had the foot plate on them. And their body fat reading came back as 39%. Now I could have told them by looking at that's them. That's a fair. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> right. That's a lot. Thirty-nine percent. Okay. And looking at them face on. Now I've been doing this for quite a while now, but I'm by no means an expert. But looking at them face on, I would have put them at about twenty-four percent, and that was my prediction to it. I said anywhere between twenty-four and twenty-six percent was my prediction, and she was like, "Then why the fuck do the scales say thirty-nine percent?" That is absolutely soul crushing because I trust you as the more knowledgeable person, but I don't have you by my side all the time telling me that this is what I am. I've got yeah. access to these scales. And I said, tell you what, I'm going to get you into uni and I'm going to put you on the clinical grade standard of scales. Am I going to test it and see how much it is? And do you know what a body fat came back as? Oh, a drum roll, please. 20, <laughs> 25.4%. Right. So sure. smack. So in the middle of kind of where I'd guess she was, but fourteen percent lower than right. what the scales in the gym were saying. Yeah, and that that's that's lot. important to note as well because obviously, I mean, I know that I, you know, especially when I I was doing a cut and I was going to one of these gyms where they had these machines. Um, you can obviously just do the regular you know weighing you don't have to do all the the bio impotent stuff but um you're kind of like ah it's only 10p extra or 20 oh, i extra. might as well put them yeah you're like to it. even me even stepping on that scale i knew that they would be inaccurate but i was still intrigued yes yeah. it's weird how you can know that these things aren't right and yet you're still interested to use it as like a gauge oh yeah um and it's and it's amazing how it can wheedle its way into your brain as something that is either useful or important um, oh it's it's enough to fuck you that's up for me yeah yeah, yeah. So it's, done, someone who has no well. idea yeah when i was um five weeks out from a show and i was i was quite i was quite lean it, it, you know it's it was my it was my pro, it's still my profile picture now it's probably the best shape i was ever in and i jumped on this i jumped on these um the the scales in the gym and they paid you know they paid quite a lot of money to have for these uh the gym to have these scales in them and stuff i mean they weren't very expensive but they were more expensive than your bog standard pair so that to them was an investment you know 
And I jumped on and it said I was 26% body fat. And I'd just used, and I'm going to discuss another method of measuring it as well. So I'd also just used something called the bod pod, which is something else I have access to through my research. And the bod pod came back and said I was 12%. Dang. Like that, that's another 14%. Now, if, if I'm the type of person, so imagine I don't have the knowledge within the nutrition sector, within the health sector that I have currently. And I see that I'm 26% body fat and I'm five weeks out of a bodybuilding show. A lot of people <laughs> yeah. would probably pull out. You're losing your shit. A lot of like... people would be like, well, why the fuck would I borrow? You know, they would lose their head completely. But I thought it was hilarious. You know, I had clients that were stepping on and were leaner, according to this machine, than I was. And it's like, well, you're definitely fucking not, though. Like, and this is my <laughs> issue that I have with it because it's so easy to... To, to see that number there and go, right, that's what I am. That's it. And, mm. uh, you know, and we can link this to, to something I wanted to talk about anyway. So you're going to see, I'm sure you've probably seen them, you know, like the infographics that you've got, and it shows you like six different body types. And it's like um, bodybuilder, very athletic, athletic, average, overweight, obese. And it shows you like, right. do you know, like different levels of body fat and like yeah, the yeah. percentage ranges. And a lot of people then get the number that they've got on the scales and then they'll Google it and go, um, 26% body fat. What body fat percentage should a woman be? Or something like that. And the first thing that will bring up is one of those infographics and it's got like the different five pictures of five different women and they're all different levels of fat. And they look and it's like 27% body fat. Oh, well that says I'm overweight. She looks really, really, she looks, she's got a really high percentage body fat. Oh, well shit, that's just me that I'm not trained twice a week. And it, it all goes like to pop. Like mm. they, they lose their heads completely just off seeing a tiny little number when in reality, it's probably about 8% lower than what it's saying it is. Oh, like, right, because they've measured themselves on one of these things and yeah. it's told them that this is the body fat percentage they are when actually it's it's, it, it's nowhere mi- near It's miles accurate. away. Like if they yeah. were to then compare themselves to the pictures of the women that they're, that they're looking at, so say the woman who's got like, the woman who's average, if they look a lot closer to the woman that's average, but that body fat percentage says between 20 and 25%, but their reading's 28%, they go, well, I'm not average, then I'm overweight. Yeah. Why does it matter? Like, it's yeah. very much just a, a a visual, not even like a visual representation. It's very much a speculation because 28% body fat is going to look very, very different on one person to like to the other person. I mean, fat displacement for one I've had people who have legitimate, and this is no word of a lie, have visible abs year round, but have a lot of body fat on their legs and have in right. quote, quote unquote, I hate this word, I hate this fucking term so much, Uh-oh. bingo Uh-oh. wings. <laughs> like they said that, they were like, I have abs year round, but I can't get rid of my bingo wings. And it's like, right. But, and if you look at, and it comes down to genetics a lot as well. But if you look at the genetics of their family, they just have incredibly lean midsections and they displace their body fat in other areas. But if you were to take one little snapshot, like this little infographic's doing, and saying that uh, if you've got a visible six-pack, you are therefore between 7 and 12% body fat, you are very, very athletic, that's all they see it as. 
when yeah you know well also those sorts of words are very um you know they're not even just talking about necessarily body composition they're, no, it's they're very emotionally charged and oh this is how, what i am as a person based yeah. on my body fat as opposed to even even if i have like 20 percent body fat i'm just 20 percent body fat yeah. like that's that's all it means yeah. and that's neither it like doesn't you mean say, you're athletic or average or this or this it that is how much body fat you have yeah, which is the combination of multiple factors throughout yeah. the years that you have lived so far on this earth, as opposed to, oh, this is this is a reflection of you as a human being. Yeah, exactly. You are defined by the fact that you are 20% body fat. I mean, there's obviously, you know, these scales obviously exist for a reason, and they're constantly bringing out more because obviously they're doing well. And if there's one thing I think they're good for, is if you're using them like consistently, so under the same conditions, if you're using them like every week or whatever, if for you, you find that you are more accountable because rather than just having the weight on the scale, but it's also giving you your body fat and it's giving you your water mass and your, and your muscle mass, if you're also getting that and you're using it under the same conditions every single week, it can be a good tool to use because you're using it consistently and it becomes more reliable in that sense. Well, and also I think that where these tools are useful, um, and it's something that we, we mentioned before, before we started recording this, was that um, coming back around to this whole, oh, scales don't actually measure your weight. What they do is they measure changes in the weight. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with the body fat stuff. They might not be 100% accurate, but if you're using them under the same conditions each time they can still be a tool to to track changes yeah. like if you are consistently on those scales every day and you know when you start off you're like 35 percent body fat and then months later you're getting consistent readings in the low 20s you can probably be safe to assume that something somewhere has gone right yeah, to make that consistent yeah. reading change, but what you're, what you're not doing is focusing on that specific number. You're 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 using the ability to track your changes throughout time, and I think that's an important distinction to make. The same with weight. You know, your weight fluctuates so much day to day, but if you used to weigh twelve stone, and then months later you weigh eight stone every day, then that is a useful tool. That, that as a yeah. tool that has been useful to measure yeah. your progress as opposed to what you are. I think it's, it's the capacity in which you view it, isn't it? I mean, if you, if, if you, it, like you say, it's, it's majoring in those minor little, little changes on day to day. And then you take a snapshot of, you know, in the space of eight weeks or in the space of 12 weeks or whatever. And the, the values are, are vastly different. Be safe in this, in the fact that you have indeed progressed in whichever way that mm. you wanted to, you know? And I think that's where, you know, and they do do well. There's lots of them. There's lots of companies that are really cashing in on using using these measures and using this, this, and this, because it gives you something else to track as well. Rather than just a number, it gives you several things to then track. So even for some people, if they go, oh, well, actually my weight didn't change. However, my body fat went down or however this, so it can be like a little positive reinforcement for people or it could, you know, and true. It, which I, is, 
I think like with anything, we have to look at the possible benefits. And I think you you touched on something earlier that was interesting, which was for some people, it makes them want to adhere to things more. So it makes them want to maybe exercise more. It makes them want to, um, you know, track their calories or eat well. And so therefore, really, that is then in in the grand scheme of things, possibly beneficial just because they're like, oh, I like tracking everything and I like writing numbers down. And this is actually this is actually fun for me, the tracking part or the writing the numbers down instead of, oh, my God, this says I'm this percent body fat. Yes. I like to use this tool. I get a little bit excited because, you know, some of us get excited by spreadsheets and stuff. So, you know, just saying. I am one of those people. Honest, honestly, it's, we love um, a spreadsheet. We love a we, spreadsheet, we and, and a I spreadsheet. love working with data. And a lot of people like working with data as well. And I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for tracking my my sleep, my this, my you know, every any value I can be tracked. My resting heart rate, yeah, I'll track it. My heart rate variability, yeah, give me some of that. All of that, my re- give me values. Like honestly, I and it, it's, give me it, the data. Give oh. me, give me. <laughs> Anthropological data to work with, and and for some people as well, it's it, you're right. It, it's it's fun for them because it's like oh another thing to track, oh another little thing to look at, and it, it keeps them accountable because they've got these things to take off, and it gives them more goals almost. Even though their goal, their their primary endpoint yeah. is the same, it gives them almost more goals, and it feels like they're working towards more and achieving more because now that they're not just looking at one number and they're looking at all they've ticked off four things instead of just one and for some people that's Mm. that's like a big deal and for me it's a little bit of a big deal as well i mean if you can say i've nailed this variable this 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 and this it's it's more of like a oh there's another win for the week and that's quite a nice thing for people well also i guess it could um Detra- distract enough from that singular yes. measuring tool yes definitely. so instead of just looking at their weight they are now looking at all of the other things and it kind of spreads that focus enough so that they don't get hung up maybe specifically on the weight or on the body fat you know they're, yes. they're like oh, okay these are all of my readings and i take all this information in and it is what it is um, rather than just being like i've only got the scale weight to measure myself by and so therefore i'm gonna hang up all of my hopes and dreams on this thing yeah it goes both ways though doesn't it because a lot of people like they feel like the focus becomes spread and it's easier to manage Whereas other people go the complete other way and go, whoa, that's so many numbers to deal with. This is incredibly overwhelming. I'm just going to fuck it all. And and it's really interesting because I've seen both. I've seen both people go, for me, it's dead easy. All I do is hop on the scales. I write down one number and I've just got to hope that if the goal is weight loss, then it goes down. Whereas they go, oh, like it's semi muscle masses up, it's semi fat masses up. I just can't be bothered with all that. It's far too much to take in. And it's really interesting because I'm the type of person that's like, oh, more numbers to look at. This is really interesting. Oh, I wonder if this happened, if this happened, if this happened. But I can see why people would be like, oh, well, I don't understand. Uh, they just get frustrated with it because they go, I don't understand because my fat mass went down with this one and go down and it. And it's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Information like, overload, basically. Yeah, completely. And they go, like, well, well my, my, I wasn't as hydrated today, so therefore this isn't this. And it's like, yeah, you've got to understand that you know, all of the thing, all of the variables that could have potentially manipulated your, your body weight on the scales can still manipulate. It's called anthropometrical data that we look at. So like, um, uh, it's called fat-free mass. So fat-free mass, um, water mass, body fat, 
percentage, all the variables that can affect your body weight on the scales can still affect these other variables as well. So they don't just kind of disappear. They, they're still very much there. They just now affect more mm. than one thing. So you look, you're now looking at several things that are affected by exactly the same things that were happening. And people go, oh, I could deal with it just affecting one number. Now it affects four numbers and I've got to work out what it is. Yeah. It could be this, this, and this. And they just go, Poof. and that's why they hire people to do it for them. So they go, sure. these are my numbers. You look at that. And then we do the same thing. You know what I mean? But because it's our jobs, we go, okay, the likelihood of that being up is because of this. If this is down, it's because of this. It's because of this. And in the same sense, people also don't want to give you all that information because then they might look into it themselves and look into it too much. And they go, oh, well, um, I've got a thought. I think it's because of this. And I think it's because of this. And it's quite a talent thing as well, because I've had some clients have gone out and bought these scales and they now give me these values and they go, they're, they're almost, they almost dig themselves into a hole that they weren't meant to, if that makes sense. So like they say, Oh, like, and, and I'm telling you now when we did it previously and they just had scales to look at and their weight was like, their weight had gone up, for example, they would just go, Oh, it's probably because it's this. Whereas if body fat goes up, they go, uh, to be fair, it's probably because I went up for dinner that one time. That's probably why it's oh, up. But it's this, right. and it's like now you're telling me. Whereas previously they might have gone, oh, it's probably because it's time of the month and everything, and they get away with saying that because it's this. Whereas when you've got all these oh, other what? factors, to so look they're at, being more honest with you because yes. they've they've got more data to give you, and they yeah. feel like they're not going to get away with it. Yeah, they feel like they're not going to get away with it, and they feel like. I can give them a more comprehensive response based on what they tell me, which they should be doing anyways, can I just say? Interesting. Yeah, really, we were discussing really... this beforehand. Yeah. Um, it, it, in case anyone is listening, uh, whoever wants to work with any coach, um, I think I can speak for all of them when I say, we don't care if you had a blowout of the weekend. No. What we care about is that you're honest about it because... If something happens or if you know that you're heading off to somewhere, you know, you're going to go on for a wild night out at the weekend because it's, you know, a family member's birthday or whatever. That's cool. Like, obviously, we would prefer if you didn't, if your goal specific is specific and we want to get you there. But if something happens, the worst thing that you can do is hide it or lie about it because then we can't adjust. If you're honest um, with your coach you can always make adjustments or you can yeah. talk about, okay, why did this happen? Was it, was it an emotional thing? Like, how do we, how do we alter what we're doing to work with this? If you hide stuff or if you uh, lie about it and then months later, you're, you're not where you want to be. It's probably, it's not, it's not because you did the thing. It's because you didn't tell us. And so we weren't able to give you the information that you need or adjust your program or, you know, adjust something to then make sure to steer you in the correct direction. So yeah, that's, I think is an important point. If you do want to work with it, any, any form of coach, just be honest. Like, oh, it's, it's paramount to any programming that we could ever give you or any fancy consultation form that we could ever give you. That is none of that's going to work unless you have an honest relationship with who you're working with. And I think it's something that's often missed off the list like i don't think enough emphasis is ever placed on how important it is just to get the right level of communication and you know 
it's it's not something that maybe you think of when you when you're looking to hire a coach. A lot of people hire a coach based on the results, what it is they're going to offer, um, how fancy the programming sounds, all this kind of thing. Where where we are magicians, like we're good at what we do. We aren't magicians, but the vast majority of the progression, and I, I know it with my lot, and my lot will back me up when they check in. They give me a fuckload of information, and they I, they know that I expect that. And if they don't give me it, the reply they'll get is more context. Give me more. Tell me about this. So they end up opening up more and tell me about this. And once they've done it once or twice, every check in becomes detailed enough so they haven't got to ask follow up questions and things. But it's not it's not something that you really think of when you're looking to hire a coach. You don't go, I'm going to hire a yeah. coach based on how much they ask of me. I'm not going to hire a coach based on how in-depth their check-in forms are or in-depth their consultation forms are. <laughs> it doesn't sound particularly sexy, no, does it? Let's face it. Excuse it does, me. How in-depth are your check-in forms? Yeah, but really, I think that's a really fucking good question that you could ask a coach before they, they, it you know, is before actually, they hire if someone. You're, if you're with it and you want to hire someone, ask them about the check-in procedure more than I, anything yeah I, I think that's a really really good one to look at because if you had a coach that goes yeah yeah check in once a month you'd go red flag red fucking flag immediately i would say red flag we've, we've properly gone on a tangent there but yeah just to let you know we're really good coaches yeah i mean <laughs> we we want to do an entire separate podcast episode on this and we will because it's something that me and rob are so incredibly passionate about and that is definitely a conversation to be had for another day. Um, so in that case, let's uh, let's put a pause on that one. Let's put yeah. that one in our back pockets. Roll um, it back. You mentioned earlier about some of these other methods because there are other methods out there that, um, I mean, a few of them aren't accessible to people. Uh, they're more of a, Yay. I guess, they're they're in more of a scientific context or um, more done in more used in research. I mean, you can do some of them, but I know that they're quite expensive. Um, do, do you want to sort of just mention maybe a couple of these and even why these ones that are like, are there any out there that are particularly accurate or what's, what are the pros and cons to the ones that the other options out there? Yeah, I think, uh, I mentioned the, the bod pod before, which was another, um, method, that we use within the university and we use within research. And this is one that is often regarded as the, the quote unquote gold standard of measuring body composition. Um, I don't want to go into the science of it too much, uh, but the way in which the bod pod works, if you've ever seen it, it's kind of like an egg shaped dome. And what they do is they get you to put like a, like a swimsuit on almost and a, and a, like a, a ball, it's like a bald cap, like a, like, you know, like a swimming hat. <laughs> Sounds fun. Oh, it's such an attractive process. Sounds like a wild Saturday night. Oh, it's, it's such a beautiful process. Um, but the way in which the bod pod works, it's something called air displacement plethysmography. I really made that sound lovely. That's like air. That's what? Shit. Say air, that again. Air displacement plethysmography so in in layman terms it's essentially the way in which so it's vibrations it's the way that the air vibrates around the body whilst you're within the pod that's how it measures your body composition it's based on the vibrations 
Damn. It's a very, very interesting process. Honestly, I've worked with, I've only ever used one bod pod. And do you know how much of a bastard it is to calibrate? So you actually, <laughs> you actually can't have anybody else in the room when you're calibrating it because any vibration surrounding the pod can actually knock off the calibration of it completely. So it's an incredible, yeah, it's an incredibly difficult process to get right. And it takes a bit of time to get the knack of it as well. And you'll often find as well, when you've done it a few times, you spot when you've got the calibration wrong. But if you've only ever done it once or twice, you'd never know. So it's quite a, quite a difficult one because you, you know, especially if you're the, the technician that's using it or you're the individual or the professional that's using it and you put someone in it you've got to make sure that you limit movement around the pod so it's usually kept in like a separate chamber or a separate room so that nothing kind of interferes with it um it does require specific training for use so again it's not exactly something that's incredibly accessible to the public i do know you don't see it as much these days to be honest but you can pay for like single uses of it and stuff and it's about, right. I think it's about 50 quid from what I've seen online and stuff. It's about 50 quid. Um, but there aren't that many of them kicking about. Um, I've used this within my research and I did, I mentioned before we did the experiment across um, with undergraduates. We used these tinnitus scales and we used the bod pod and we've compared uh, the readings that you get from each of them. And and a lot of them are vastly different. Um so another, another method I want to touch on as well is uh, the use of skinfold calipers, which are incredibly accessible. Classic, Cheapest. classic. Yeah, they're dead, dead cheap. They're incredibly accessible. The old, uh, the old plastic pinches. Yeah, it's just a little pin. I mean, you can get more expensive ones. You can get little metal ones and shit, but they, you know, they pretty much all do the same job. And what people don't realize is technically you do actually have to be trained in this to use them correctly. And I've worked with undergraduates. So one of the first things that you do within my degree, which was human nutrition, is you get trained up in how to use these and you go through the different methods of measuring body composition. Now, I took some undergraduates through this. So they're in the first year of uni, so they're 18, 19 years old, uh, roughly. And we got them to, to use the skin calipers to measure body composition. They used the tinnitus scales. So they were middle range they weren't the seven thousand eight hundred pound ones they were like middle range ones so they were about 600 quid now bear in mind i'm saying middle range and middle range is 600 pound so really think about what i was what gonna you're say what? really think about what you're How? getting out yeah exactly yeah Ex- really think for about a, for, for middle <laughs> middle range Oh no, the, the the scales for six hundred quid, not the fucking, not the calipers. Oh, uh, <laughs> fuck you know, six hundred quid for Sorry. a plastic. I clearly blanked no. out when you explained that. I was no, like, no. how can you get calipers no. that are six hundred pounds? You can get calipers that are over a hundred pound. I mean, you can. yeah, all right, even that's a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you are made out of fucking diamond. Basically, yeah. They tell you, <laughs> they give you a little well done when the dial spins round. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> so what what we did the with reassuring the... calipers carry on oh, sorry oh, yeah that's all right. <laughs> what we did was we we got them to measure body composition using the skin calipers we got them to do a seven sight test so with the calipers as well you could there's different number of sites that you can get and some of the sites are trickier than others and this is why it requires training because it's so easy to get wrong now this is very much anecdotal but i've trained up undergraduates that i've got 
skin caliper readings so like horrendously wrong it makes you also wonder how people do it at home like i mean it's really really interesting to see and they they actually had a booklet in front of them of how to take the reading which sites they needed to do it where each site was what they should do they literally had a step-by-step guide of how to do it and they still got it so wrong well i remember when i was trying to do uh mine using skin calipers uh, just like a little pair of the plastic ones that you can get and i looked up you know how do you do this and like you say you can you can use different amounts of sites like you can get the super simple method which i think is like four yeah. you know four locations over your body that you you pinch these things at and then you write down the readings and then you calculate that and it comes out with an estimate as to what your body fat is and then there's more that you can you can do sort of like six readings or eight readings um and i remember trying to do mine and just being like right this says that i have no body fat here that yeah that cannot right. be right yeah <laughs> like like my I'm, left like, I'm not... is like zero percent body fat absolutely <laughs> yeah. fucking peeled like it's mental and it's quite <sighs> a it's quite an interesting one because we you know we, we discussed people doing this on themselves and quite a common site that people use is a subscapula do you know how hard it is for someone like me who really struggles to to bend their arm across their body to reach so yeah just to just to a clarifier where where might that where where think, might one find that think, upon think, the body think the shoulder blade region imagine trying to pinch the skin under the shoulder blade and then attempt to read the dial to see what it is by yourself <laughs> unless you've got somebody standing there reading it for you it's very very difficult to do and a lot of the, the tests that they give you subscapula is quite a popular site so if you miss that off it does kind of limit you in terms of which tests you can be doing. Um, and when we put this next to it, we did the readings on the bod pod. We used the biological impedance scales and we used the skin calipers. They weren't even within 5% of each other. The readings weren't within 5%. And right. the bod pod is the one. So we did each one three times. And the bod pod is the one that each time came back the closest. Whereas the skin caliper one every time was fucking miles apart and i mean <laughs> miles apart someone did mine right so they they massively freaked out for starters they did my tricep uh, and they put the calipers on my tricep and they actually pushed down so hard with the calipers that my tricep went into cramp <laughs> i swear to god they thought that what they had to do was pinch the skin with the calipers. So you're supposed to pinch the skin first and then place the calipers on. Oh, they like right. they like ripped my tricep off with their fingers, squeezed it as hard as they possibly could with the calipers, bruised me, and then my tricep went into cramp. And when I went, ah, they went, was that wrong? <laughs> no, mate, every single person should have their tricep detached. <laughs> And then going to cramp, you're doing a fucking cracking job, mate. Well done. Can't wait for you to open your own clinic. But that's what I mean. It's so easy to get wrong. Sure. And, and the, with the bod pod coming back as the one that is constantly, like it's coming back as consistently within the same kind of region, that's the one that gets the good press. Now, the bod pod isn't as accessible because I don't really hear much of it, to be honest, because it's, it's really, really expensive bit of kit. 
But one that you do hear of quite often is the DEXA scan. I think you've had a DEXA scan, haven't you? I was I was going to say, I've definitely heard of that. And, and this is probably why, because, um, yeah, that's the one that I did where I think they were having some sort of introductory offer. It was right. just towards the end of one of my first cuts. I think it was actually how oh, the one the that, where one? me... Yeah, where yeah. me and you met. Um, so a little bit of a backstory here. The reason why me and Sophie know each other is because a few years back, we both participated in a 12-week transformation oh, program and got talking through that. And yeah, at the towards the end of this transformation, um, I booked in with one of these uh, DEXA scans because like I said, they had an introductory offer, um, but it was where they were training people up. So you got a cheap DEXA scan, but it was with a student you know and there was a teacher looking over them to make sure that they were doing everything right and I was intrigued because it is you know it was the only way that was more accurate than doing calipers and I was again intrigued to see where I would come out at at, at near the end of this cut so yeah I got one done and that's you just lay down don't you and how much, your uncle. What, how much did you pay for that Fanny's your aunt um, I think I paid like 50 or 60 pounds from oh, what okay. I remember. That's pretty cheap. Then, it was yeah. a fair while ago. I think That's it was something cheap. like half price. Yeah. That's really um, good. Yeah. You literally I mean, just lie on a bed. How does that work specifically? Apart so from just lying down. So believe it or not, but DEXA scans are not intended to measure body composition. They are actually there to oh, measure. Really? Bone. Yeah. They're there to measure bone density. Well, yeah, because you get a reading of everything. You they, do. Like, I remember when I got my printout, there was there was loads of information. Like, it was ridiculous. You everything like was broken A4 down by limb. Yeah, you get yeah. A, you get a few pages of stuff, just a whole booklet on how fat you are. And a lot of um, it is useless. <laughs> a lot of it you will never look yeah. at again, and means jack I, shit. I didn't understand a lot of it. I'm not gonna lie. And that's it's the interesting issue to see it. what 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 body parts are bigger than others, though. Yeah. Like, because you get oh, quite. You, oh, you do. Like, you get a comparison. It's like a full cross section. You get a cross sectional view of body composition, and it tells you. Um, it some of them do visceral fat, um, like left leg, lower leg, your trunk, right leg. Yeah. It's the whole lot, and it genuinely is a lot of it. You are never going to look at ever again, and it'll give you it'll give you the value as a percentage. It'll give you it in weight. It, but the but the main purpose of the DEXA scans was actually there to be to to measure bone density, and then it just kind of so happened that they realised you could do it with body composition as well, and it's a very quick and very easy way of getting the measurement done. It doesn't require much thought, and it's a hell of a lot easier to calibrate than a fucking oh, yeah. pod. I oh. I just laid down and had a little bit of a snooze, to be honest. Yeah, it, it doesn't over it doesn't require minutes. a lot of training either. It, it's very much a this is how it works. If it goes wrong, you press this button, you press this button. It's so much easier to use than a bod pod. Honestly, mate, if I could calibrate a DEXA scan or calibrate a bod pod, give me a DEXA all fucking day long. Right, fair enough. All yeah, because I remember long. in all the, the feed the feedback and the, the, the booklet that I got, um, yeah, like I say, it, it measured uh, each limb individually. Yeah, but yeah. like you say, it um, measured the fat, like any body fat that I had around my organs specifically yeah. as well, which is obviously the stuff that you don't see, but that's the important stuff. That's Absolutely. the stuff that you don't want too much of. And I do remember him going, you've got like no fat around your organs right now. So I was, I was pretty content with that. I was Get like, cool, sweet. That's, that's what everyone wants to hear. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because that, that one, I think more people have heard of the DEXA. 
than they've heard of the Bob Pod. I'm not really, I'm not yeah. really certain, but if I, if I were to, to to hazard a guess, I would say more people have heard of the Dexter scans. And I think, I mean, you said you paid like sixty quid a while ago. I think it's about a hundred to two hundred pound per use. Sounds about right for I'm, sure. I'm sure it is, and yeah, about about a hundred to two hundred pound. Now, again, this is very much anecdotal, but I have an issue with the Dexter scans. And I have used them because we have access to them. Now, as with with the vast majority of research, you don't tend to just take a reading once. You tend to take it like three times. Now, I did three DEXA scans, one after the other, literally within five minutes of each other. And the readings, all three of them, were vastly different. And that's with a bit of kit that is, again, it's an expensive bit of kit. And you would think with the level of detail it gives you and the level of information it gives you, it would be pretty standard across the three. Now, that can be triggered literally by something as simple as being slightly more to the right or to the left of the machine. Right. Okay, that's interesting because so, I do remember them being very specific with like where positioning you need to, yeah, you and have to be like, keeping still. Yeah, you've got to be shit hot with where you, where you are because if you move the way in which it scans, you can change ever so slightly. And again, it's a cross-sectional. So if you were to, to shift ever so slightly during the scan, it can genuinely throw a reading off. And I, I can't remember the exact numbers. I'll see if I can find it. Some, it'll be on my, 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 my desktop somewhere. But the first one was coming back at about 18%. And the sec, it was either the second or the third one was like 23 so not even like a little bit. And it was also coming back as, um, so say previously it said that the left leg was like, I don't know, half a percent fatter than the right leg. It was switching it over and saying that the right leg was like 3% fatter than the left leg. <laughs> right. Okay. It was really, really quite a substantial difference. And again, these are within the space of five minutes of each other. So for right, all, that's, that's quite it's, surprising it's, it's crazy. So, you know, and you don't get three scans when you get it done, you get one. So if you went yeah, in exactly. once and got one scan and then went in 12 weeks later and you happened to lay a certain different way, you could potentially give yourself those false positives just by sitting slightly to the left or slightly to the right. But people like it because it gives you lots of information and they feel like they've really reaped the benefits out of a little scan and they've now got a full snapshot sure. of what their body looks like and, and exactly what they've got to work on. And it does give you a lot of information and it's really good for that. And it's it's more readily available than the bod pod and stuff like that, and it's easy to calibrate and stuff. So you know, there's there's an argument for it, but it's really interesting because it then becomes the argument of right, okay, so we've got skin calipers, the the tinnitus scales, we've got the bod pod, we've got the Dexa. Which one's best? Which one do I use? Which one am I going to reap the benefits from the well, most? Like that. That's an interesting question because and debate, I guess, because I think listening and, and and sort of learning and knowing about these different ways of measuring similar things and their potential benefits but also mainly their drawbacks and the way that they can provide erroneous readings you kind of go okay well then why What's if the these point? things can be so wrong yeah or so different 
then what's what's the point? And yet we hang up so much on these readings. And I think it's important to come away from this with this idea that these things are all just tools. Um, they are ways of providing yourself with some form of data. And if that data changes over time and the the environment in which that data is collected is the same over those that period of time, then yes, these things can be very useful tools. But like any tools, they can also be absolutely useless if used incorrectly. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're just if if you're weighing yourself, sort of every well, I don't know, because even the the amount like the, how often you weigh yourself doesn't really matter. Um, I like to try and get people to weigh themselves every day. Now that's because in my mind. Uh, first of all, you can collect an average over the week. Yeah. But also, for me, I hope to show people how variable their weight is. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're waiting for two weeks to weigh in, and you weigh in with your coach, you're holding so much importance on that one number. Yeah. Whereas if you're weighing yourself every day, hopefully it just becomes a, a thing that you just do, like a habit that doesn't mean anything um or does it's mean less so daunting much. that way sometimes as well yeah you're, you're not building up and waiting for two weeks to then see what the big reveal is you're just every day on that thing you're like oh i've gone up half a pound okay oh not well the next deal. day i went i went down a pound yeah. oh hang on i'm looking at this little graph or i'm looking at the weights and actually i can see that my body's going up and down up and down up and down up and down and then it's the pattern over time that matters, not what you weigh in at a specific day. And I, I think that's why I like to try and get people to weigh in every day to try and make it lose its importance, like lose this big kind of, oh, what are you going to weigh in, in the check-in? Yeah, yeah. This kind of uh, idea. And I think for some people, just seeing that data fluctuate makes yeah. it click and they go, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it does just change yeah. every day. It, like during the day, it changes. So there is no consistent weight. Okay. Um, think I get a little bit down an alleyway there. Um, no, it's a good when... point that you made though, because I mean, I do it. I do it different with different people. So I have some people that weigh in daily, and I have some people who still not. I don't want to say struggle, but still really don't enjoy weighing in daily and and don't really you know see the point of it but I get them to weigh in at least twice a week because I have I know coaches and, and there's nothing wrong with it I mean you're more than welcome to they will just weigh in once a week or once a fortnight and anything can throw that number off and they base their entire programming off the slight change of a two-week period if you had your last meal at 10 p.m and it or even later 11 p.m and you weighed in at 5 a.m 6 a.m and your weight is higher than it was two weeks ago because you had your last meal at 7 p.m and you weighed in at 7 a.m then your entire basis of programming isn't based off the fact that their weight is increasing therefore potentially their body fat's increased or whatever has increased it's because they had their meal a little bit later and this is where it comes back to communication as well because you should be asking these questions. If someone's weighing in a little bit heavier and they go, it doesn't make any sense. 
I'm doing everything you told me to. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. It should be down or it should be this. And then you go, okay, let's talk about it. What did you do last night? What, what, what did you change? It might be as simple as someone saying, actually, I'm banging to this season at the minute. And it's going on everything. Okay, it might be zero calorie, but it might be really, really high sodium. Ah, oh, okay. That is enough to show an increase in the scales. Oh, actually, I got a really shit night's sleep last night. I've been incredibly stressed all week. Or even as simple as change, swapping out a food that you wouldn't normally consume. I mean, I had a client who she, um, she'd had some dental work done so she couldn't eat solid food. So she was getting all of her protein from whey protein in Greek yogurt. And the level of dairy ah. that she was consuming caused an insane amount of water retention. Our caloric intake was exactly the same. It caused an insane amount of water retention. And she woke up the following day, a kilo, it was 1.4 kilos heavier. And then, right, in, well. and then in two days time was two kilos down. And it's like, imagine if I just got you to weigh in on the day that you were 1.2 kilos heavier and then didn't get you to weigh in for another week. And I've just unnecessarily taken yep. food off you. Yeah, like, exactly. It's not enough of a, it's not enough of a picture of, of how you're really getting on. And that's why, you know, transformation photos are important and, and frequent weigh-ins are important as well. And you're the same as me. I really like a daily weigh-in so that we can create an average. But I don't do it with everybody. Sometimes I'm like, some some clients, I actually don't get them to weigh themselves at all. And I say, right. I actually would like you to hit these targets. These are the meals that I'd like. This is this is the breakdown of food. Some people don't. I've got two people on, on a macro split. They get told, I'd like you to hit this protein goal and this protein goal, and this protein goal. And that is all I'd like you to worry about because they might have come off the back of um, like a really dark period with food. And they, in order to establish a decent relationship with food, the last thing I should be doing is therefore going, oh, well, did you get 120 grams of protein in that day or did you go to 150? You know, right. it, it's yeah. knowing what to implement and why you should implement it and when to take it away. And That's it. It's important to, to like you say, if someone has an issue with um con control and food it's, you know you don't want to then just be going like right you have to get 63 grams yeah. of carbohydrates and uh 42 and a half pound uh, grams of, of fat otherwise because, because they will and they'll do it till they fucking yeah. die or they will feel so guilty if they don't yeah they place um, all of their energy on it and then if one tiny little thing goes wrong they flip the table and they're like, well, I've completely fucked it. So that's another day written off. I fucked it. I might as well write it off now. And it's like, right. Mm -hmm. You nail something smaller to start off with. And then over time, we gradually, you know, we gauge understanding. We gauge intelligence. We, uh, we, intelligence, that's an awful thing to say. <laughs> we gauge, <laughs> we gauge um, Scrap knowledge. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll>, uh, <laughs> we, we, edit that one out. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> Just uh, put some music over it. Do, 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 do. <laughs> What a fucking do, do, awful do, do, thing do, 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 do. We gauge your intelligence. Oh, when you're right, you've been fucking loaded of eating that much love. Jesus Christ. I've lost my train of thought now. Yeah, let's just uh, grab. Let's just, just, just shut up now. I don't know what I was fucking saying. So. <laughs> I've fucked myself over so badly there. I think, Honestly. I think what, you, what you were saying about, um, you know, some people not weighing in at all. Because let's face it, because as we said earlier, it's one of many tools that you can use. Yeah. And obviously, some other tools include how you feel yeah like, yeah the ones that i don't get to weigh themselves I, I make sure that um 
we do like, I mean, I do it with all my clients anyways, but we, we place a lot on kind of just mindset and well-being. Like, how do you feel? Mm. I feel really well-fueled. I'm really, really not lethargic. I, I feel like this. I feel like this. They take their progress pictures. They look better. They've got a great shape to them. Um, and well, they, haven't, they haven't weighed themselves for three one. weeks. They haven't weighed themselves for three weeks. They don't know what they yeah. weigh. Um, and if if the weight comes back as a little bit heavier, they don't care because they've told me all of these things that they feel better, they're more active, they feel like they're getting more energy out of the sessions, their numbers in the logbook are going up, they feel like they look better. Oh, but I'm 0.2 kilos up and it's like, oh, I'm such a failure. And it's like, no, it's well, not. I look at this, all these things. This comes onto something that me and you, um, I've definitely become much more keen on when I speak to people these days and that is this idea of look if you just got stronger and you saw what your body was capable of you probably wouldn't give as much of a shit as to what you your your yeah. you weigh yeah. let alone even what you look like it's absolutely fine to be like i want to trim up and especially fine. if you are someone who is maybe so overweight that it causes health issues you know that's obviously a big one um but i think sometimes if a lot of people's issues around body image would be sort of and with i know that this is a, a very complex topic so please take what i say with uh with the understanding of what i'm trying to get across but if you give yourself the right fuel so you know you you nourish your body with good food and you um you see what it is capable of i think there'd be a lot of people out there that would be like do you know what actually i i like my body yeah. a lot more because instead of focusing on what it looks like I sleep well, my mood is good, yeah. my energy is good, and I just lifted that weight that I could never lift before. I can do a pull-up now, or mm-hmm. I can do 10 push-ups in a row, and that is fucking awesome. I I don't, I never thought, felt that I had a bad relationship with food or exercise. But looking back, there are definitely points where I've had a very unhealthy relationship with the way that I look. I mean, I know that I've always had a, an unhealthy relationship with the way that I look. I mean, you know, as a kid, I was a I was a tubby little kid, and that's why I I started doing this. And this that was only when I started going to uni. But anyway, I digress. Um, but even when I was a few years into looking after myself and, and exercising and that, you know, I'd never be happy. I'd never be content with the way I looked. I always th- thought. I, I was always bouncing around between wanting to get bigger and muscular or being lean. And it meant that I never really achieved either because I was trying to, I was, you know, one day I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just slim and I don't have any muscle mass to me. I just want to get big and strong. And I'd do that for like a couple of months. And then I'd have one bad day where I would look at myself in the mirror yeah, and yeah. I'd go like, I'm just getting fat. I've got skinny that. arms and I'm just getting yeah. fat in the stomach and I feel like a piece of shit. And so then I would want to cut. And so I'd start trying to do that. But I didn't, I wouldn't just execute it methodically. I would just start doing the stuff I thought I was supposed to do, like exercising loads more and then eating really shit, boring, bland food. And then that would put me into a miserable spiral and then it would kind of the circle would just the the shit circle would just continue for for ages and it was only when I switched over to um 
working on my strength because one of our coaches from the 12 week thing was like hey rob you got some pretty good numbers have you ever thought of competing and i was like not really um but hey thanks for that and i was like actually the thought of being strong sounds pretty cool and i started doing more of a powerlifting based routine and focusing less on what i looked like and more on how my body was performing and my fucking mindset just completely changed yeah, because totally. i saw myself getting stronger and i was like this is awesome like to see what my body is capable of this is absolutely amazing i never thought i would i would be able to lift this weight or do this or you know you do some stuff when you're tired because you're knackered and you go in and you fucking do it anyway and you're just like damn son that's yeah, and awesome just, and just on the back of this as well uh rob just pulled 210 kilos at sub 70 kilos body weight so if that isn't fucking <laughs> impressive i don't know what is and honestly it, like yeah. honestly i am so fucking pleased and it's so nice because it's it's good and it's a really really good example to people that the goal doesn't always have to be an aesthetic goal it really right. doesn't it it doesn't always have to be a case of i would like to look this way and i would like to look this way it's okay to be like do you know what would really be cool a three times body weight deadlift that's yeah. a fucking sick goal cuz all the other issues goal. melt away when you yeah when you achieve and and that's something we like that's that something that we, we did up. as well i mean we did okay we did a little mini cut but the primary goal of the, obviously the primary goal was, of the mini cut was to trim up but at no point did i say to you we're going to train light i still worked you very fucking hard during that and you trained very fucking hard yes you did and finished it on a 210 single <laughs> which um as sophie said is is like a three times body weight uh deadlift for me which i have been chasing for years ages so to accomplish that at a lighter weight i was yeah it was 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 pretty pretty amazing but it is things like that that you get so much more out of it than oh great i can i can see my abs like honestly don't get me wrong if you haven't had them before and then you start seeing them or you trim up to that sort of level of leanness you're just like this is pretty awesome and then you're just like my life hasn't changed in the slightest i thought that suddenly because for me, the reason why I started trying to get slimmer when I was younger was because I thought that, you know, members of the opposite sex might come a flocking, um, you know, because that's what happens, right? You suddenly get abs and then... Single ab pops up and then all the girls come running. And then that's it. Yeah, exactly. But um, you know. no, no, you're, you're like, you're just, you, you achieve them and then you're like, cool, so what next? Um, yeah, whereas... <laughs> performance you know when you see yourself going getting stronger and feel yourself getting stronger and my dream uh is to have more women um or females realize what their bodies are capable of yeah um the the world needs more badass strong damn fucking right females to lift heavy shit or yeah. to do awesome things with their body. That sounded a bit creepy. I mean, okay, perf- you know, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. We're, right we're over, Mister fitness, fitness podcast here. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, um, I'm with you, I'm with you. Because I feel like it would really, it would just heal so many people. Yeah, I um, agree. 
and it you know it, it makes you a more useful human being it it, it makes you more uh, less likely to develop injuries you know less prone to injury um it will increase your mood it will increase your sense of uh self-worth because you're just like i fucking lifted that shit yeah that's awesome definitely. um and that that is my absolute dream is to uh is definitely to to i guess introduce uh more more people in general into just getting stronger and being stronger but but females uh women especially um so yeah i think uh, sick goal i'm not to saying have. that there's anything wrong with abs you know especially no like no if you there's had, a if you, place for everything isn't there or even just losing some weight you know at the end of the day it's, it's the okay bread and to have a goal that is it's okay to have a goal that is aesthetic based and it's okay to to want to trim up and to want to lose a bit of weight and stuff like that but know that that's not what everybody wants some people want to get mad yeah. strong, like and that's okay like what nobody's gonna look down on you for the goals that you've got but it is quite refreshing for people i mean we hear it time and time again a lot of people do just want to lose weight and stuff like that, and that's cool but sometimes you get quite an exciting case and it's like if a woman turned around to me and said uh yeah so my main goal is to get a three times body weight deadlift Oh my god! I'd flip the fucking desk. I'd be. It's pretty buzzing. exciting, isn't I'd be it? Buzzing, absolutely buzzing. And you know, I get. I'm really lucky that I get to work with so many people that genuinely have those kind of goals. You know, and and that one, like, you know, a lot of my clients come to me now and they go, "I want to be world champion," and it's like, "You're, a, I'm gonna fucking make sure you get that. <laughs> like, I'm gonna really make sure you get that because that is, that's then beating a lot of other people, and and it's also beating numbers that they've had previously and, and all that kind of thing but in the same breath as well you know i've got physique clients and i've got bodybuilding clients and i still make sure that i track all of their training numbers every single week because i still would like them to get strong as fuck so although they don't know it and their primary goal is physique enhancement and to look a certain way I am still very much getting the best out of them in both respects because for all I would let them to look amazing, they're going to work fucking hard for me. They're going to get hell of a, str- a hell of a lot stronger because of it. Well, it's also another, it can be another gauge as to body composition as well. Absolutely. Because at the Absolutely. end of the day, if your numbers have shot up by 10 kilograms and you're uh, like in a deficit or, or, or even not, like something's got to have happened in your body. There's no way that you can lift an extra 20 kilograms on a lift and you I haven't in fluke. some form gained some sort of muscle underneath yeah. Or, yeah. or, you know, developed your physique in some way. It just doesn't happen. No, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a fluke. It's something that goes hand in hand. And, and, and the ones, you know, you don't see giant bodybuilders lifting little piddly weights. You know, you, you, the guys that are jacked and the, and the women that have got incredible physiques and, and great muscle bellies and incredibly dense muscle mass they're lifting every shit and they're fucking strong. You don't, you, you know, Iris Kyle, Miss Olympia, like 10 times over, didn't leg press empty weight lying on her side with a booty band around her knees. Like, <laughs> she, she, she trained heavy and she trained hard, as did all of the other bodybuilders in the industry, you know? Or not all, I don't want to say all, well... but the vast majority. A couple of the famous ones used to be powerlifters before they were bodybuilders. Oh, like look at Ronnie, yeah, look at Ronnie Coleman. Ronnie, Ronnie Coleman, Col- yeah, Arnold Ronnie Schwarzenegger. Coleman said that his only regret in life, despite despite the fact that the man is pretty much, you know, he's really really crippled and he's really really 
struggling with just moving about now. He said his only regret in life is that he didn't take, was it a 430 kilo squat? He didn't do that. <laughs> he didn't do that 430 kilo squat for another rep. His entire That's... life. He has absolutely ruined himself. And people go, you know, you trained heavy, you trained hard. Do you regret doing all that? His only regret was not doing that extra squat for an extra rep. That's insane. I want to get to his age and go, <laughs> you know, I should have just benched that 150 for four. Have I know I should attitude. have. Yeah. Always do that one extra squat. Yep. Crazy. That's a, that's a motto for life. Um, I mean, this is this has been so, so much fun to talk about, um, but I, I feel like we're slightly starting to... to yeah, I think, I think we've covered pretty much everything. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add what else? one thing. Yeah. One, one thing. Okay. Go BMI. For it. BMI. I'm going to keep this really short and really fucking sweet. Load of trash. If you are using your BMI to gauge your body composition and how heavy you are or how whatever you are as a person, please do not. Please stop immediately. BMI has been around for a very, very long time. It is something used within the governments. The World Health Organization still use it. It is a guide. It is something that needs to be abolished and it has been discussed many a time by health professionals that they are going to try and get rid of it. It is body mass index. It is weight and height. Just fuck it off. Don't even bother looking at it. Well, because some athletes are cl- classified as like morbidly obese yeah. because they're, they're, they've got, you know, they, they weigh quite, they weigh quite a much, uh, quite a much. Wow. Clearly it's late here. Wow. They, 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 they mm, worse. They weigh quite a much. They, <laughs> heavy. They, 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 they're quite heavy. Um, but it's like pure muscle and they're yeah. ripped to shit and yeah. they're really fit oh, and yet they're obese. classified as morbidly obese. Fucking bullshit. Just, just, Bull just don't shit. like, yeah, just don't do and it. I th- and I mean, because you assume that it. people know this, uh, but that, no, that, like, BMI's don't. bullshit, but actually no, people still, a lot of people still talk about it. So it's a good one. It's a good one to bring up. Because it, it's still very much used by the government and stuff like that. And especially they use it within kids and stuff. And within kids, I can see kind of a little bit more of a place for it because it's very rare that you're going to get a kid that's like jacked as hell but you know it's the bmi is a complete disregard of like extreme body types so like we say athletes and stuff with a lot of muscle mass completely disregarded that is something that genuinely does just look at the number of the scales that is the one thing that looks at the number on the scales and your height and completely defines you as a person based on the number on the scales if you've got a bmi over 29.9 you're obese that is the top and bottom of it, regardless of what you look like, regardless of mm. what where that mass comes from. Your BMI is 30, you're obese, mate. Great. Yeah. Cheers for that. Mint. Wicked. Felt good about myself that you said that. <laughs> Fucking no, get in. It's a good one to put out there for sure, because if anyone is still sort of hung up on that, then, you know, just, just don't. Um, oh yeah, definitely a good one. Uh, to, 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 I'm glad that you got that little rant in at the end there. I have to. End, I really end have to. strong. Oh, Always I, end I strong. Oh. I, I don't want to be like a Debbie down, Downer with it, but yeah, it's fucking shit. So don't bother with it. I just it. think it is quite a useless one. So it's it's worth kind of giving a little there's, bit of a. There's shit loads to. of you know government guidelines that we should be abolished. I mean, fucking hell, on like cereal boxes and on packaging and stuff. Th- there's still the guideline of males should consume. 2,500 calories and females. Oh, that old chestnut. 
and females should consume 2,000. It doesn't mention the body weight of the male or the female. Why? It what are they doing? Men- exactly. It doesn't mention the age. There's no regard for expenditure, um, extreme lifestyles and stuff. That's another one. Oh, God, you've really opened the can of worms here, Rob, even though I fully wrote this on myself. Oh, that's, shut up. <laughs> that's, a, that's another one that also needs to be abolished. So BMI and the guidelines on cereal boxes and on packaging and things like that, the G- GDAs. Oh, I love a GDA. Government dietary amount. Blah. Get out. So, with that in mind, shall we? I think I'm shall we wrap this done. up? Yes, lovely. Um, honestly, had such a blast. Um, speaking about all this stuff, it's it's fascinating, especially uh, speaking to you, Soph, who has ha- actually had like hands-on experience with some of these um, pre- procedures in in more of a sort of scientific setting. Um, so yeah, it's it's been it's been a hoot. Um, hopefully anyone listening here uh, has taken away something um, especially this idea that these things are all tools at the end of the day and you know they the, the one the one quote or the one thing that I read uh, that I really like is um, for anyone still very hung up on their weight is your weight is just a numerical representation of your relationship with gravity Oh, talk that's all dirty. it is. Talk dirty to me. <laughs> it does not define you as a human being. Um, they are tools, nothing more. Um, yes, they can be very useful, but uh, only when used correctly. Um, it's been awesome to chat, Soph. Uh, yeah, really if you, if anyone's that. got any questions, then then feel free to pop us a message on the usual channels um we'll whack a little thread up in the facebook group which we've now got set up i think oh, the facebook we page um where where is that apart from on facebook obviously um, i mean just search the name i guess yeah yeah on facebook it is plats beans, beans and, and pbs podcast uh i think so or is it just without the podcast you'll see it we've got a nice yeah, purple it's, logo it's called plats beans and pbs podcast there we go. We we made sure that we uh, labelled that correctly. If you do get on the page, it would mean the world to us if you could leave a little review. It would, genuinely. Anything you found super useful, um, yeah. even like we said earlier, be honest. If it was shit, it was shit. Please tell us. We'd love to know. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe message us first before you put it on like a public review. But if you thought it was shit, um, go fuck, go. Fuck no, just yourself. put it up. No, I'm joking. Just put it Sophie, where can they find you um, uh, on you social? Can, you can find me, uh, my OnlyFans. I'm only joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, times are tough. Times are tough now, Rob. <laughs> no, nah, I'm only joking. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, as always, at Platts underscore PBs. Uh, Facebook, you can find me, if you really want to add me on Facebook, bit weird. On Facebook. Bit weird. Uh, Sophie Jane Scott on Facebook, but you're best off finding me on Instagram, uh, Platts underscore PBs. Uh, if you want to drop me an email with any questions that you may have, any inquiries, I know a couple of people have been, um, I've had a couple of people have emailed me some some questions that they wanted to ask. So maybe maybe it's worth mm-hmm. us doing a little Q&A episode at some point as well. To uh, yeah, questions. definitely. I'd be keen on that. Just like to... a short Q&A. Yeah, I forgot to mention that as well. Um, email is platsandpbs at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a pattern here. Yeah. Um, can... Rob, and... where can they find you, my darling? <laughs> 
Uh, on Instagram, I am FTA Fitness. That's all in one go. Um, you can also find me at FTA Fitness on Facebook as well. Facebook? Fe- Facebook, man. Facebook, man. Ah, way, man. That's champion. Oh, we we almost called this podcast like, oh, how to be champion or being a champion. Yeah. Um, but it just it just doesn't sound very. It wouldn't good work it, without. It would, no, unless it's read out in a Jordy accent, it just sounds like a generic bullshit motivational podcast. I don't. I don't think like, I could keep up a Geordie accent for an hour and a half, to be honest. So. Uh, you'd give it a good fucking go. And you'd like me to try I'd for sure. Love, I'd, <laughs> I'd love you to give it a good fucking go, and I'll try. I'll try my best. Uh, <laughs> Southern. My best southern accent. I can't see how that one's gonna go and do, but uh... that's gonna sound glorious. I cannot wait. Oh, um, on that note, let's let's wrap it there. Yeah. Um, if you have been, thank you for listening. Um, we hope you've taken away something uh, useful from this. Um, as always, I've been Rob, and I you have been, been Miss Sophie Jane Scott. Yeah, fuck off the full names. I have been I have been Sophie and I have very much enjoyed ranting for the last hour and a half forever. So thank you all very much if you have got to this point. And we have enjoyed you ranting. Um, take care, everyone, especially in these trying times. And we'll speak soon. Look after yourselves. Tatty bye.